You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Hello there and thank you for downloading this special Starting Up podcast from the 17th of May. On the program today, we discussed how to pick yourself up after an entrepreneurial fail. I was joined by Neil Petch, the chairman of VirtuZone, and business coach Diran Hadchandani, who gave us their invaluable insights on how to succeed even if you failed in the past. We also found out how fintech companies are helping small and medium-sized businesses with loans when the banks won't touch them. Plus, we spoke to a man who's found success by smashing things up. Ibrahim Aboudiak joined us live in the studio to tell us all about his entrepreneurial adventure running the Smash Room. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. And this morning, I am joined in the studio by my co-host, Neil Petch, who is, of course, the chairman of VirtuZone. Neil, good morning. Good morning, Georgia. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I think you brought me in specially for this topic today, actually. That is interesting you say that, because I have to say, I didn't. I don't know about your autobiography in, <sighs> in a great deal of detail. So I don't know if you actually have any failures in your library. I thought you were going to say you don't know anything about failure and that's why you've brought me in. Yeah. Well, there you go. When you're this old, you're bound to have made a few mistakes and and actually, you know, the whole ethos of our company is we encourage the 130 staff that we have be prepared to make mistakes because if you don't make mistakes, you're not pushing hard enough and obviously what's happened just now in the whole world is not under our control but how you act and react to it is under our control. So first thing, don't panic. Second thing, look to your strengths. Do something that gives you a bit of a boost. If you've had a bit of a crap day at the office, so to speak, or at the, you know, on your crypto uh, uh, wallet, if you let that dominate, then you're not going to be as good an operator. So I'd say the main thing that uh, I can bring to this show is, yes, it's happened to me a few times before, and I'm still smiling. Well, that is what's so impressive, because obviously you're running VirtuZone now, very successful business, well established here in the United Arab Emirates. I think it's really easy for people to look at businessmen like you and think, well, you know, he's just, you know, he's made it. And, 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 you know, you presume that there was plain sailing all the way. But is that, have you got a few sort of failed businesses in your back pockets? Yeah, I mean, goodness me, you know, two years ago, we sat in, in, in our office with COVID in front of us, not knowing what was going to be happening, yeah. you know, a couple of weeks later. We were on a three-day week when we launched Zone, which was 2008, 2009. The world was crashing around us. And we thought, ah, Dubai is going to be insulated from that. Of course, it wasn't. It was the biggest crash that Dubai had ever experienced. Yeah, just six months after the States, basically. And and so I and my genius uh, invested a huge amount of money and property at that uh, stage. So I suppose lesson number one, if I'm tipping you when to invest in property, do the the reverse. And lesson number two, actually, VirtuZone, you know, because People wanted, look, uh, things were tough all over the world. Um, maybe 
people were losing their corporate jobs. That's not the case in, in this particular situation at all. In fact, we've never had so much opportunity, but still things are bad. Maybe so people want to be entrepreneurial, but they don't want to do it with huge risks. So they didn't want a big office and so on. So Virtuzone came along at the right time. So that's, you know, look for an opportunity, look for when COVID happen obviously all those things that encourage people to you know whether it be riding on your peloton or, or whatever something that was appropriate for that so so look look for it now and obviously the other expression is when there's blood on the streets that's the time to be investing so your friends that were buying bitcoin you know it's uh, there's 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 method to their madness yeah i have to say i mean that was uh, the big topic of conversation for me at my lunch yesterday everyone talking about the massive cryptocurrency collapse and whether or not this is indeed the time to pile in and whether this is the moment to basically pull up your bootstraps even if you've lost loads of money and proceed progress and proceed and and you know start again it's, it's not the time to be greedy and i think so much the the problem with the crypto market is that so many people are investing in it without knowing an awful lot about it because suddenly it got easier the minute you start to think you can walk on water that's when you're in trouble so always look for projects that have some substance to them look Mm -hmm. for the fundamentals and if they're there you're going to be fine and and if you do it now it's a brilliant time to do that Certainly, yes, cryptocurrency is needing to come with a a massive health warning. Now, to discuss uh, this topic further, exactly how you can pull up your bootstraps when you've experienced a personal failure or a business failure, uh, we are joined in the studio by a professional business coach. Uh, Diran Harchandani is a transformation architect at Superhuman Coaching and has very kindly joined us in the studio. He's also an entrepreneur, investor, endurance athlete, uh, mentor, author and keynote speaker. And Diran and I have just figured out that we spot each other regularly on uh, Kite Beach running track. I'm walking, you're running. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming in. Now, okay, failing, which many will equate with losing a lot of money, can be pretty hard to swallow, especially if you've built something with blood, sweat and tears. Based on your experience coaching people, what is the default reaction to failing? So what it really comes down to is fear. I think fear of, so I have a quote that I, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, failure is something that I'm very familiar with. So I have a quote that um, I often lean on, which is, past failure informs future fear. So let's unpack that for a moment. Now, what happens when we fail is we end up predicting what happened in our history into our future. So we start perpetuating exactly what we're trying to avoid, the shame the embarrassment, the humiliation, all of those really difficult emotions. That's what really entrepreneurs or humans in general struggle with dealing with. It's that difficult emotion. So people who are actually able to stand up and overcome the failure or try again are people who say, okay, I've dealt with it, right? It's a difficult emotion, but I can overcome it and give it another try. 
Darren, I'm, I'm fascinated. You know what? I was preparing for this. And I was <laughs> reading your CV, and three and a half hours later, I was still going, and you were still doing amazing things. So, you know, one of the best things when, when you're being coached is to see someone who's inspired themselves. George has just told me you're running every morning, so yeah. getting, getting the endorphins going. What motivates you, and, and particularly in, in bad times, such as we're talking about uh, now, how you react to two things like this, what do you use? So for me, you know, it really comes down to my why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Whatever it is I'm doing, be it endurance sports or starting a new business. So, you know, external motivation, there's a billion dollar, if not a trillion dollar industry that is the self-help industry, right? And what they've figured out is that as long as they keep providing us with books and workshops and keynotes to motivate us, we're going to keep coming back for more. But the key thing is, you know, all the external motivation is short-lived. The real sustainable motivation is within. So I really lean into my why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? So if it's a business that I'm starting, why is it that I'm starting this business? Because when times get really tough, I'm able to lean into my why. So, you know, I I often use sports. We'll use business as well as an example. But in sports, when Muhammad Tala or Michael Jordan come out, they don't think, what if I lose, right? They think, you know, they think that they're going to win. And even if they do lose, they know that they can handle the really difficult emotions that come with it. Okay, so Darren... You've, you've just sort of hit the nail on the head for me, a challenge that I have, right? It's, it's quite easy as, as the owner of a business to be inspired by it, driven by it, to get up a little bit earlier, to stay, to stay awake a little bit later. It's your business, after all, that flashing light on your phone. Your staff that you sometimes perhaps assume have the same passion, but that's wrong to assume that. So leaning into your own why there. It doesn't work, right? You need to. How how do you put yourself in their shoes and bring them along with you? So I would try to understand what motivates them, mm-hmm. right? What gets them up in the morning to come into Virtue Zone and put in the hours, put in you know, put in their life into your business, right? What is it that makes them tick? And you know, science shows that, or a lot of research shows that motivation in terms of monetary gain, only motivates people up to a certain point. After a certain point, the monetary gain is diminishing. So what is it really that motivates them, right? Really getting to understand what it is, what is it about them that you need to understand? Yes, I think that that's one to throw out to our listeners, actually, which is does money motivate? Because probably... The immediate answer, the knee-jerk answer is yes, mm. it does. But when your paycheck comes on the, on the 30th of the month or the 1st of the month, do you jump up and down or, or, or do you, you take yeah. that uh, uh, for granted? I think it's many other things, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, recognition and, and, and so on. Now, I've got a second challenge for you, Darren. I see that you are an NLP practitioner. I once interviewed someone who I thought was the most perfect candidate in the world it didn't work there's an example of failure georgia but i think i i got 
NLP programmed, if that's the right expression. So perhaps demonstrating this on radio is one of the more difficult things. But can you just tell us how how you would use your knowledge there to try and, as you said, you've got to try and understand what motivates your staff and what's driving people forward. So how do you use this? So one of of the ways that I use NLP is to try to understand what their needs are. What are their needs, right? What is the history? Like, so we're all programmed by our environment, right? What kind of programming did they receive in their childhood? What are their behaviors? What motivates them, right? And um, how are they sitting, right? Are they upright? Are they, what's the micro expressions around their face, right? So it's all the little nuance micro expressions that really give me a lot of insight, in terms of because physiology is really what drives how we use language, right? How are they using language? Are they very intentional with the language that they're using? I, so you've explained to me that one of the main ways in which you can drive people forwards when they've had a failure is for them to find their why. But you've also mentioned that you carry this legacy of fear with you if you have failed. Can those two counteract each other to enable yourself an entrepreneur to achieve going forward? Yeah, I think you, you lean into the why to overcome the history of failure, to overcome those difficult emotions when you face them. Because inevitably, entrepreneurship is really, really hard, right? It's not for everybody. It takes a special breed of human to get into a journey wherein you know, the success rate is right? We know the stats. 95% of businesses fail within the first few years, so on and so forth, right? As a matter of fact, Reid Hoffman, the famous venture capital, came up with this metaphor. He said, entrepreneurship is like jumping off a cliff and building a plane before you hit the ground. (laughs) It's really difficult, right? But when you are able to handle, at the end of the day, it's really all about the emotions that we face when we're in the middle of failure. Darren, thank you so much. That is such a brilliant summary there for, for us to, to end this interview on. Darren Harchandani, thank you so much. Really inspirational stuff, really encouraging stuff for uh, anyone listening and thinking of starting their own business. Uh, Transformation Architect at Superhuman Coaching. Thank you so much for your time. My really pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Zone, business set up with no regrets. Now, one of the biggest bugbears for entrepreneurs is how to find financing in those early startup days. Recent, recently published statistics show that fintech companies are helping to bridge this financing gap between small to medium-sized businesses and banks. The gap, or I think you could probably call it a canyon, is about $5.2 trillion across some $65 million people in 128 countries. And that is according to the World Bank. Meanwhile, a study by the Asian Development Bank has shown that the pandemic has made it even harder to get funding for your startup. Researchers found that rejection rates for trade finance reached record highs in 2020. I suppose that's not surprising uh, that about 40% of those rejections were for startups and SMEs, compared to a rejection rate of 17% for multinationals. Now, SMEs will know the reason why they're not 
getting a loan from banks. It basically all comes down to creditworthiness and the ability to provide financial statements. Now, enter the fintech companies because they are trying to change this, aren't they, Neil? Uh, we've been joined in the studio now by Ankit Goel. He is the regional head of Modify a digital trade finance company. Sir, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us in the studio. I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. Uh, now, I'm going to hand over to Neil in a few minutes so that he can ask you the questions, because obviously, as a man who's running his own business, he knows a lot about, you know, the potential problems that you might, you know, in trying to get funding. Exactly. Baby steps. I mean, the first Ankit's going to tell us how, how we can perhaps raise money as we grow, because growing pains are, are some of the most uh, awful things that one can experience. But actually, take a step back, it's making sure that you've got a bank account in the first place. Because wow! Is that the f- I, mean, I suppose that's the first step, isn't it? Much as Virtue Zone would love to have you all believe that the most important thing in the world is a trade licence, the reality <laughs> the reality is that you want to be able to you know, run your business. You want to be able to live and reside in the country. So you know, we were talking actually last week uh, um, about the fact that it's very easy to, to sell people a cheap a trade license, but then that license might not be appropriate and might not get you the bank account in the first place. But anyway, Ankit, we're here now. Is it is it modify? Is it modify? How do we? It's modify. It? Modify. Okay. So Ankit, there's a, there's a lot of fintech uh, solutions coming out there at the moment. We have a number of partnerships in our ecosystem that that help people, uh, you know, get started. So mm-hmm. tell us what what sets modify apart. Absolutely happy to share that. Modify is basically an abbreviation of uh, modern digital finance. That's how the name was conceived. The company was started about four and a half years back by three Germans. And then various shareholders joined us during the bandwagon. Uh, So we got shareholders like uh, Rocket Internet, who started Sook.com in Middle East. They're also one of our shareholders. Musk uh, Growth, which is part of Musk Group Company. They're also one of our esteemed shareholders. So we started uh, about four and a half years back from Germany. But as we speak, we got offices in Germany, Netherlands, India, China, Hong Kong, Pakistan, Bangladesh, UAE, and US as well, growing at a very, very fast pace. Uh, so so what we do is basically uh, we are on a mission to solve a trade finance uh, problem for the SMEs particularly. Okay, so when you firstly, let's just establish what you mean by SME, because mm-hmm. I remember a few years ago, going to, you know, we had customers, they'd go to the bank and they'd be like, can we have five years of audited accounts, please? Well, no, I'm a startup. So most of the listeners to this show are either just about to start a business or, you know, it's a two-man band. So so can you provide a solution to them? Yeah, absolutely. So we do need the one-year audited financial at the minimum. Uh, So we're happy with one year, not we don't need five years or three years audited financials. Having said that, even if the seller or the client does not even have one-year financials, however, have a background to demonstrate that they have been part of businesses which they have established and uh, run in the past, we can even cater to fin- companies even who do not have one-year financials as well. Okay. So mm-hmm. I'm a one-year business. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm growing nicely. My, my profits are starting to come around. I approach you. Mm-hmm. I want to buy three company cars for my employees Tell us, tell us how you're going no, to... No, this is not oh. what we do. So okay. we finance the trade, basically. Yep. So what it means is, let's say you are one of my clients and yep. you sell a bottle of water to, let's say, Lulu as an example, uh-huh. right? Now, Lulu says, look, I got this bottle of water. Uh, this, Let's say, hypothetically speaking, it's a million dollar or a million dirham bottle. And now I'm going to pay you after 60 days or 90 days or, say, even 120 days. 
I don't issue any LC, no bank guarantee, just a supply to me, I'll pay after 90 days. Yeah? You need the money early. So what you do conventionally, you go to a bank, let's say one of the local banks or global banks, look, I supply to Lulu, Lulu is going to pay me after 90 days, I need the money now. Yeah. What bank would do, they will look at your financials, they will ask for your collaterals, five years audited financials, and so on and so forth, right? Versus when you come to us, we don't look at your financials from the credit perspective, we look at financials of Lulu. So if Lulu's, Lulu's financials are strong enough, we pay you the day you deliver it to Lulu, and on the due date, we collect the money from Lulu. So it's kind of cutting out the bottleneck. It's just streamlining the whole process. Absolutely. Which is what everyone is, is, is after. Do you use technology to enable you to do that? Because another thing that so many of our, our customers are pulling out their hair saying, I've, you know, I've asked, I've answered every question that the bank has put to me, and yet they keep on coming back with more questions. We wish we were just told all the questions right from the start. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We have uh, developed in-house technology uh, for this uh, platform. So everything is on the platform, everything is digital, and everything is paperless. So basically, the moment, let's say, client, you as a client approaches, you get access to our portal, you upload every document on the portal itself, you have a clear visibility what's going on, and when do you get paid by the customer. Do you think you have to pay interest? Absolutely. So nothing okay. else for free, of course. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, Georgia. <laughs> What is your interest rate? So that, of course, depends on the risk, what we're talking about, the business that we're looking at. Uh, but uh, it ranges in the range of, uh, I would say, between say, 7 to 10% per annum. Is it a problem in particular here in the region that people struggle to get paid? Oh, absolutely. So in this region, especially, you know, so uh, every payment terms are stretched, right? So uh, not only region, the whole world is struggling right now, given the pandemic. So all the buyers are looking for longer payment terms, supply are struggling because they are getting hit by the cost of supply chain is increasing. So they want to get paid as early as possible and buyer wants to pay as late as possible. So that's where we bridge the gap. Neil, could you see this helping quite a lot of the small and medium-sized businesses that set up with you? Yeah, look, it's, you know, we, we, we were talking uh, earlier about how our youth affects us. And, and George, I don't want to bring you into my generation, but we were, you know, we were taught, don't borrow, don't borrow, don't borrow, you know, be, be careful. But actually, you know, the, a, a classic startup needs to generate revenue, which probably means it needs to advertise on, on good old 103.8. It needs brilliant sales staff. Be able to invest in, in those things. What's one of the ways that you can do that? Perhaps you can get your, your laptops and your phones and, and, and your cars financed, which, by the way, you can get all at, all at VirtuZone. So there are a number of wise things that one can do. And then companies such as Modify are helping you because, again, another classic expression, time is money. So I think what Modify are sometimes doing is helping you streamline that and get things done faster. And 7 to 10%, George, I think that's pretty, pretty fine, actually. And if we look at inflation at the moment, if you just have money sitting in your bank account, it's probably, in real terms, losing 10% per annum. Interesting stuff. Uh, so tell me, uh, what, happens, um, what happens if the company can't pay you back? Uh, again, a very good question. Uh, uh, so 
we are always work with the credit insurance companies to underwrite the buyers. Mm-hmm. So when we, let's say, a client comes to us where he says, "Look, I need a million dollar or a million dirham cover on the buyer," we make sure you know our risk is protected by the credit insurance companies in case buyer does not pay. So we always have something to fall back on. How popular is it proving? How many people? How many SMEs have you helped? Oh, we have helped quite a bit of SMEs across different industries. Yeah. So just to name a few, so we work of course anything which you can put it in the container. It could be textile, it could be electronics, could be coal, not coal really. So it could be steel, it could be plastics, could wow. be even oil and gas. Uh, we have even funded uh, some services industries as well. Does have an exit goal? Uh, when you say exit goal, what do you mean? Share, are you intending to sell to Klarna? What are you, what are you intending to do? Oh, well, uh, <laughs> just to share with you. So before uh, Modify was started, uh, the company was, uh, so Nelson, who is one of the co-founder and CEO, he had a company called BillPay, which is sold it to Klarna. Ah, uh, so then he go. started uh, modifying. Done my research, children. Look at you and your there research. You <laughs> I'm rather impressed. Uh, Anket, an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thank you very much for giving us those insights. Pleasure uh, is mine. Thank you so much. A for pleasure. Uh, so, regional head of Modify, a digital trade finance company, giving you a sense of how you can uh, bridge those payments gaps. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Virtue Zone, business set up with no regrets. Getting ahead of myself there. Hello and welcome back. Now, every week we feature a startup success story to inspire the budding entrepreneurs of the United Arab Emirates. And this week's guest is no stranger to failures. He came to the UAE more than a decade ago as a service advisor for an automotive company. He then decided to start his own business to be his own boss, but didn't achieve success until he opened, get this, the Smash Room. Now, the Smash Room, if you haven't heard of it, is basically a place where you smash things up, like old computers or glass bottles. Uh, And to all intents and purposes, it is apparently the best way to release stress, grief and anger. And it is proving to be a big hit across all age groups. Ibrahim Ubad, oh goodness, am I going to pronounce your surname correctly? Abudiak. Abudiak. Yes, Abudiak. Yes, yeah. Close. Almost. Thank I you, sir. Close. My apologies. That's uh, right. <laughs> pretty fine, actually. It's, it's super good. Yes, Aww. I take that. <laughs> For my, my a sort of gentle stumble there. Well, Ibrahim <laughs> is live in the studio, as you can hear, and it is an absolute pleasure to have you here, sir, because I'm a huge admirer from afar of your business. I think it sounds really up my street, frankly, is quite a high stress, angry person. My husband would regularly describe me as an angry person. I think that maybe I need to come pay a visit, frankly. Just got George's husband on the other line. He's saying, please, can you send her next week? I'm booking you in already. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me here. Pleasure is mine. Oh, it's great to have you here. So is it true you literally just go in and crash, you know, hit things? Yeah, as uh, as simple as it sounds. You just uh, go in, uh, wear some protective stuff, choose what you want to smash and get going. Awesome. Now I love your humility, and and the theme of today's show is is there's just we've just had a crypto crash. Yeah, people are heading to Bali, as George is uh, telling us, and and uh, you start by telling us you've failed a whole bunch of times. Mm-hmm. And, and our first guest was talking about well, the first thing you need to do is just embrace that and live with it, and it actually makes you a better person, not a not a worse person. So, so. Tell 100%. us, tell us, you know, because confidence is key, right? And, yeah. and, and things are difficult at the moment. Yeah. How, how do you handle yourself? Do you go in and yeah. smash a few things every morning before you get started? How do you drive <laughs> forward? Right. Okay. That's, that's a very good question. So uh, 
uh, I'm definitely not shy about all the uh, failures, uh, if, if we, we want to call them, that led us to where we are today. Because uh, actually the way we learn in life is through going through different experiences, new things and trying different stuff, failing at them and learning from those experiences and then moving on to, to, to new ones. So uh, every time you go through, you know, what do you think is the down uh, downtime? Or, you know, there, as you said, there's a crypto crash now. Well, okay, well, what are people going to do? There's a lot of people going to panic and make wrong decisions. Others will be more emotionally strong and be able to sort of like carry through and uh, get through the process. So for me, it's been always, uh, I, I don't smash every day, but I definitely do it every now and then. However, I, I think it's a lot of emotional uh, strength. It's like going to gym. You don't, you, go, you don't get strong if you go once to the gym. You need really? to go that's over. Very disappointing. To hear. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint <laughs> you, but yeah, that's the truth. So it's the same thing for for uh, whether a life or startups. School have taught us that you know you don't make mistakes. You always have to remember the the correct answers, uh, or at least the old school schools, the ones that I've been to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if if I make mistakes, I get punished uh, by you know lower marks, whatever. But in life, you have to make mistakes in order to learn from them. So the Smash Room is pretty well known, I'd say, a lot more well known after this uh, segment. But you've also you must have a very happy business partner because you've also credited him or her with a a large part of your success. So how do you work in in a a partnership on a startup? What are the good and the bad things? Uh, it's interesting. So I had a I had a a mix of experiences between having a really great uh, business partner, uh, the one that I have today. I'm so grateful for uh, Hiba. And uh, well maybe, done, Hiba. <laughs> yeah, thank you. She's she's in Amsterdam today, so definitely having great time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I had also different experiences in the startup that I had before the Smash Room that didn't actually succeed and had to shut it down. So uh, the dynamics are always uh, interesting and tricky because people think great business partners are exactly similar to them in terms of like who you are, what your interests are, if you click, if you do the same things. However, it's actually what I found from my own experience, it's actually the opposite. Great business partnership comes from being different. Yeah. Complementary, complementary but different exactly strengths. so whether it's Couldn't a skill set a personality everything and going out of your the things that you're not comfortable with yeah you know be comfortable delegating it to yeah. someone else whether it's your partner or someone from your team to do that now ibrahim when you mentioned shy earlier the listeners can't see me smiling but if they could see you now you don't dress like a shy man i think people are going no, to recognize you when they come into the in, into the smash room yeah. and little birdie tells me that you are one of those things that people considered rare but there are actually 85 million around the world a global <laughs> nomad is that's that right. right that's right that's How Why did you choose Dubai? Well, um, so Dubai is home for the last 11 years and a half. Mm -hmm. I moved uh, in Dubai in 2010, which is uh, practically just after I graduated. And I come from Jordan. So I came as a service advisor. I worked for a car uh, company and uh, it was just my first job ever even. And from there, uh, 11 years later, um, and, and you just mentioned a nomad, uh, in November, uh, I decided to become uh, an, an actual nomad, yeah. a, a full-time nomad. So I actually got rid of my apartment, my furniture, my car, everything I have, 
and I decided to live through different places, different yeah. experiences, yeah. travel around, but also Dubai is always going to be home. Yeah. So I'm in and out Dubai, but I also work online and, and sort of like manage my businesses in, in from different locations. I think this needs Georgia to be a topic for us it in does. future weeks because the number, you know, firstly, the legislative changes that the government have put in place to support sure. people like Ibrahim. Yeah. And secondly, the number of companies that are growing to allow people to have that flexibility. And I think COVID has really been a catalyst behind that. People are choosing to work in a, in a different manner. It's allowed the UAE to have a real brain gain where brilliant people have come and relocated uh, uh, here and the hotels have special rates for them and mm. so on and so on. So let's, let's get more global nomads in. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. I mean, they are the lesser spotted glo- glo- global <laughs> nomad because I have to admit you are the first person who I've met who's actually doing it. Yeah. Now, tell me one of the business's ideas that you do now, because obviously you've got the smash room, but you are also trying to help other people realise their vision and turn their business idea into a reality. And obviously that's something you can do remotely. How is that working out for you? Yeah, so because uh, I've, uh, I've been thinking about it for the last three or four years and I realised that I have I've gone through through uh, some really uh, huge ups and downs uh, from getting fired and divorced at the same time to uh, losing my business, losing a lot of money and then coming up again. So there's a lot that I've learned through that experience. And I thought maybe there's a lot of people that can uh, can use this information mm-hmm. or this experience and maybe they have the same kind of questions. Maybe by going through this, uh, you know, education process, they can prevent, they can save some time, prevent some losses. And that's what I do with uh, with my uh, coaching business, which is completely online. And uh, honestly, I just, uh, it's it's more of a, a something that I feel fulfilled doing more than mm-hmm. uh, a business or something that is uh, after, after money or something else. I just feel really uh, content by working with other individuals who have great ideas, but don't know how to, to make it work. So very quickly, we've got about 20 seconds left. What is the best advice you can give to anyone who is thinking of being their own boss? Oh, uh, no pressure. That's, that's I always one. do that to people. <laughs> right. Sorry. I'm like, right. do it fast. So, do it good, but do it fast. I mean, entrepreneurship now is very glamorous, right? So every, every, everybody want to be an entrepreneur. But the truth is, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? And this is, I would say, if, if there is an advice, this is dig deeper into what do you want? What makes you happy? What fulfills you? Just being your own boss or having the dream of having the freedom or money, all of that, it might not come through being an entrepreneur. So is it what does make you feel happy and content and follow follow your heart for Don't your passion? Don't be happy. I wish I was about to hit the green button on that song. It would be so awesome. Ibrahim Abudiak, thank you so much for your time. The founder and CEO of The Smash Room. Uh, you can also find him online if you're looking for a little bit of business advice. Speaking about business advice, Neil Petch is here. He is the chairman of Virtue Zone. He does what he doesn't know about small and medium-sized businesses and setting up companies in the UAE is not worth knowing. I'm sort of trying to say you know everything, but quite badly. The agony, the (laughs) agony uncle. So if you've got any questions about setting up your own business, things like trade licenses, get into the nitty gritty. Neil can help you. 4001 or, of course, send us a message on WhatsApp. 04871 Ibrahim, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Virtuzone, business set up with no regrets. 
Hello there, welcome back. It is now time for our Agony Uncle segment. Virtue Zone founder Neil Petch is going to answer all your questions about setting up a business from visas and licenses to everything in between. Today we are hearing uh, from Trisha, who's got in touch with us. She owns a consulting company. She's a first time business owner and has this question about getting an office. I am looking at office based options, and a small studio office costs the same as a co working space and a four star hotel. Can you talk about the pros and cons of both? Trisha also is looking to grow her team and she has this question. So it's a double it's a double question. I currently employ one junior staff and I'm looking to hire an intern. What costs am I looking at? Do I have to give them a visa along with an insurance? Thank you. Wow. Two big questions there. Should I get an office or can I do a sharing space? And what's the deal when it comes to interns, Neil? So, Tricia, we love your entrepreneurism and the fact that you're growing fast. Let's start with the second, interns. Interns normally are probably already on a visa. They probably already have their their own insurance, which means that they're a great hire because they don't cost too much. And most of the time, from my experience, they're brighter than you are, so they can reverse mentor you. So that's a great way to go. You do have a responsibility as a company to make sure that they do have insurance, but you can use them on, on, on their own visa should they have that. And, and we've got so many examples of that working really, really well. In terms of space, Georgia, we were talking earlier about spending money on the right things when you start a company. Sometimes you need, you know, for example, if you're selling jewelry and you wish to do it yourself rather than distributing through other places, then you need a store. You need a place where people can come and see it. And that's a requirement. But very often, Often you don't, and I would say spend your money on marketing, spend your money on the right uh, staff. And and we were when, when we were talking to Ibrahim earlier, global nomads. There are so many brilliant solutions out there that enable you to dip your toe in, check if you're getting the right response, and then grow. So, for example. Hotdesk.io. It, it's an app that is essentially the Airbnb for office space. Oh, I haven't heard about that. So, Georgia, yeah. one day you could be in that. Like, you were just in Riyadh, right? Yeah. So, if you were using Hotdesk, you could go and find yourself uh, an office in, in Riyadh. Yeah. Then you're in Abu Dhabi. Then you're in now Dubai's. The traffic is so crazy. So, you want to be able to take an office for three hours between meetings. Hotdesk enables you to do it. One of the things that certain licenses require is that you do actually have an office space and a jari. So get advice. Don't be pushed into something. And the, the same thing, sometimes the cheapest license that you think is the right one doesn't enable you to actually have the activities that you want. So uh, for Tricia, I, I would I would suggest to her that she strongly looks at, uh, at something like Hotdesk, a managed office uh, uh, solution to start with. Of course, you know, you'd think that, that working and, and living in the same place makes it more efficient. Obviously, the commute's not so long. But there's something for me, I'm an old-fashioned guy, about the discipline of, of going somewhere. And certainly, if you're a team and you're all sitting in five different places, as magnificent as Zoom is, you can't see people, you can't look them in the eyes, you can't see the body language. So if you have an opportunity to create an office-like environment, perhaps not every day of the week, but you know a regular meeting, 
going once a week or something like that, then go for it. Really interesting advice there. Now, Neil, we had this wonderful question in from Claire, and unfortunately, we don't have time to answer it, but we will try, uh, we'll save it, Claire, and you need to tune in next week from 11am on Tuesday for our next episode of Starting Up. It was this question you know, about any tips that Neil might have for offloading the local sponsor in a mainland LLC. What would be an expected payout sum? I imagine that is a hot topic for many entrepreneurs, many small and medium-sized businesses. Uh, so Zena has made a note in our control room, and we will be addressing that subject next week. But in the meantime, Neil, it's been a pleasure. It's been fantastic, and we do have lots of tips, so we will be answering that question in person or at starting up next week, 11 o'clock. Fantastic. It's been a pleasure. We're looking forward to next week. Make sure you tune in from 11am every Tuesday.